Hey, boats and hoes, and boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Two Dudes and a Guy, The Revival, with me, your host, Zach Reese. Alright, so, it's been another week, and here's the thing. I just drank a big-ass thing of coffee, um, because it's Sunday night, it's like 8pm Central Time, and I was literally, 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 falling asleep on the couch, and I don't even know what was on my TV. I think, like, Hell's Kitchen or something was on my TV. And it just it wasn't doing it for me, baby. So I drank some coffee and uh, wrote a blog post. So, you know, shameless plug for the blog, ZachTReese.wordpress.com. I'm actually going to start posting there again. Maybe. I, I don't know. Who knows? Probably. Uh, could I? I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah. I, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real, real good. Um, I'm going to wake up at 6.30 to go to the gym. Uh, so, that's fun. And I, I just made a turkey burger because skinny. I don't know how it's going to taste. I know back in, in the past, I've had turkey burgers. And I haven't really been a fan. So, I don't know. Do you guys like turkey meat? Like ground turkey? I, I don't I know. I prefer beef. But I'm trying to be thin. So, I got the leanest ground turkey that I could. And I seasoned the hell out of this burger, and then uh, threw it on my little George Foreman grill. Um, and and yeah, we're gonna hope for the best. I have some melted provolone on there, and I didn't have any any buns for it, so I was gonna go full keto and just like no bread it. But then I was like, uh, you know, if it's gross, I'm gonna want some bread to like soak up that gross turkey flavor. So, cause I I typically don't like cold cut turkey. Unless it's, like, in a sub from, like, a deli, from, like, a Popeye sandwich or, like, a Subway. And that's only, I think, because it's, like, not that it's not real turkey, but it's, it's like, like, commercialized turkey. So it tastes more like ham. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, so I'm using bread. And as I was making this, uh, this burger sandwich, I guess, because I'm using sandwich bread, I was thinking about... So let me backtrack. I was putting ketchup on the one piece of bread, right? And I was just thinking back to elementary school where, like, kids would have bologna sandwiches with fucking ketchup on on the bread. Like, it just, it doesn't, me putting the ketchup on the bread for this burger was bad enough. Like, it just didn't look right. It didn't look natural. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The people who had bologna sandwiches with ketchup... If you did that in, um, in in school, or if you ever did that in life, or if you still do that in life, you're a sociopath. So, I don't know how to tell you, but you are. You're a sociopath. Sorry. Um, Ted Bundy. Zach Efron. <laughs> oh my god, this is so fun. This is entertaining, right? I should drink a bunch of caffeine before every episode that I shoot. And I, you know what? I think I will. I think we just came across a new medium for me. This is not a new medium. This is episode six. Episode six. So, um, yeah. I actually wrote notes for this week, believe it or not. I've been pretty much freeballing since the beginning here. But uh, I, I put on my Instagram story, and just as a reminder, I'm not really posting on Instagram that much. I posted a picture of uh, the the sunset on Friday. And, yeah, no, it got more likes than I ever really get on pictures, so maybe I just have to post once a month. Maybe that's my new thing. But, uh, yeah, no, I posted on my Instagram story, and I was like, hey, I got nothing. Like, what do you guys want me to talk about this weekend on the pod? You know what I'm saying? And uh, I got some I got some good ideas. Um, some that I came up with my own, some that I got some, from some DM help. And uh, so basically, for this episode, we're going to jump into, like, Black History Month, my experience with it, and what I think about it. As I say that exasperatedly, you'll see why. And then uh, I'm going to talk about just another high school story, because you guys clearly like that. Um, Obviously, you didn't care as much about me getting hit in the face and getting a black eye as you did as my 8th grade trauma based off of... uh, Listenship, because you know, viewers, TV shows have viewership numbers. Is what is this like? Listenership numbers, listenership numbers. We're gonna, we're just gonna go with it. Sounds like list, lips and shit. What was the guy from Rugrats? The doctor, Doctor Lip. What was his name? Doctor Lipton shit. 
Lipschitz. Dr. Lipschitz. Because he was... Do you, do you see what the play on words there is? Is because he was, like, not... He was just, a, like, a, a doctor who uh, was talking out of his ass. So, Lipschitz. He's speaking bullshit. See? Rugrats was made for adults. Alright, so we're going to talk about Black History Month. And some I have some high school stories about that. And then we're going to talk about um, Kingdom Hearts 3. And uh, I, I beat that this past week. I think it was this past week. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Whatever. But I beat the entire campaign, the whole story. And um, every uh, a lot of my friends are beating it now. And uh, they ask that I talk about it here. Because uh, it's pretty... It's pretty divisive within the the industry, not the industry, within the fan base over what happened. So if you don't give a shit about Kingdom Hearts, I'm going to tell you when I'm going to start talking about it, when to fast forward to, and that'll be that. So, <laughs> screw it. And then, I don't know, we'll probably talk about some other random points throughout here, but uh, let's start with uh, Black History Month, because, you know, it's February 10th, and uh, actually, I'm going to start with a bite from this burger, so... In real time, I could tell you how it is. I have my uh, peach pear LaCroix at the ready, just in case I throw up. Here, here we go. Mmm! Bitch! Bitch! Oh my god, you guys. This burger slaps. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I'm an amazing chef. This is so good. You know what I did? I am a very peppery person. So I literally, I dump pepper on everything that I cook. So it's very New Orleans, I guess. I mean, very, very blackened, you know? So for this particular burger, I took out the, the ground turkey. I, I did um, a layer of pepper. Added some, I use Himalayan sea salt shakers. So I um I added some of the pink salt, and then I did um I did a, a dab of Italian seasoning, so it tastes a little bit like a meatball. I like my burgers to taste a little bit like meatballs, and then I did uh, onion powder, garlic powder, and I think that's it. And that's it. And I did it on both sides, massaged it into the meat, threw the meat onto the grill. Got it a little teeny bit, like, it's it's medium in the middle, but the outside crust is a little bit, like, charred. Threw some freaking provolone on top. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Throw in some mustard, some ketchup. You have yourself a bomb-ass turkey burger. Way lighter than the beef. I cannot believe that I'm eating this and I'm liking it. First time for everything. We'll see how I feel about it when it's, like, warm as opposed to hot. So, actually... I don't want to see what it's like when it's warm as opposed to hot because taste changed. Um, and I'm going to actually stop this recording so I can eat my burger and I'll be right back. So, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, we're back. Sorry that I just had to eat that burger. Um, I ate that in like three bites. Shit was lit, y'all. So good. So anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's get into our topics at hand for this episode. Alright, so, it's Black History Month, it's February, um, I don't agree with Black History Month, and I'm saying this as someone who is half black, so I don't think that there's, and I don't agree with any of these months that are dedicated to a specific minority, I really don't, and here's why, because I feel like that is perpetuating the divide between the majority and the minorities. Like, yes, I understand that it's important to highlight minorities and and celebrate them, but I think that should be done daily. And I know that as a society, we're not at that point yet, and that's why we do have these months dedicated. But I would hope that we would be making proactive strides in sharing the cultural diffusion a bit more. Um, You know what I'm saying? Because it's just, like, um, it's just annoying. Like, well, this month is all about black people, and then next month, um, yeah, forget about it. It's just, yeah, that's what I mean. So it's just, it's like, 
I don't know. It's, it's like perpetuating the same things that we've been doing forever while also making a big deal out of things that don't need to be a big deal. I had this conversation actually at work with um, some of my coworkers where I was just like, I don't understand like why, like I understand diversity and inclusion and why it's such a huge deal and why it's important, but it shouldn't have to be. So that's that's where I am. I just, I don't know. I feel like people just have to just accept each other and shut up. And, like, I don't know. Who cares? Why does it matter? So, I don't know. I, I think it's great to celebrate black people, but, like, I don't know. Do it more than just in February. I, I don't That's where I am. So, anyway, so back to, 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 like, my personal connection with it, apart from being just half black. So, when... All through my, my entire school career, um, before college. So I'm talking about grade school, up through middle school, up through high school. I was one of, like, maybe seven black people in the entire school. And I, so it was interesting because, well, number one, my, my first name and last name start with Z and R, right? Respectively. So with that being said... No matter if we did alphabetical order by first nor last name, I was also always, 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 always in the back of the room. And I can remember every single year during the morning announcements over the loudspeaker PA system, they would talk about Black History Month in like the first week of February. And every single head or chair would turn around to like stare at me, right? And it was like, the most annoying thing ever because hello yes obviously i'm fucking black okay all right but like why do you guys all have to <laughs> have to make it that apparent like oh it's his time it's his month <laughs> like can you guys not do that it's just it's very much annoying so i'm already like i talked about this in my 8th grade um podcast episode but like it's I was already on the outside because of being black, right? Okay, great. So, this is what I mean, where it's like, it was suddenly a big deal. And, like, I've always found that during the month of February, people were nicer to me. Which is so annoying to me. Like, I don't know. Like, like they were doing a, a service to, to me. Because it was my special month. You know what I'm saying? People were nicer to me during Black History Month than they were during my birthday. What? What? So that's what I'm saying. It's just like... I don't... I don't know. I don't like that. So, um... Throughout middle school and, and high school... One of the seven black kids, and it always, you know, there was always maybe one or two more every year. So by the time I graduated from high school, there was like 10, 10, maybe, maybe 11 total in the entire school. Um, I th I'm pretty sure I was the only one who was mixed that no, there actually was, there was one more kid. He was a, a couple years older than me, but nobody knew he was mixed. He was one of those mixed kids that like completely looked white to the point where actually sidebar, I was at this girl's um, going away party because she was moving to Florida. And this is actually going to come full circle because I'm going to talk about this girl in another story, like right after this one. But anyways, I, I ran into this kid at this, at her party and um, I was smoking a cigarette with him, whatever. And... I, I, like, walked up to him prior to the smoking of the cigarettes. Because we, we, like, bonded that night, okay? And I was like, oh, hey, let's call him uh, Jerry. I was like, hey, Jerry, um, I know you're, you're black. <laughs> like, I, I was just... Because that's how I am in real life. Like, I'm very forward. I just kind of say what I want to people. Um, and then I just watch the reactions and see what, you know, I just, I don't think that there should be, like, sugarcoating or small talk. I just, I don't like that. I'm not a big fan. So, I went up to him, uh, and we were, I was just like, oh, I, you know, I know you're black, like, you're mixed like me, and it just was part of the conversation, and he goes, how did you know? So, that's when I was like, you, you bitch, you were literally pretending to be white this entire time at Grand Island High School, which I don't blame you, because I got a lot of shit for being black, and I got a lot of people saying the N-word to me, and all kinds of things, so, um, yeah, whatever, I get it. I totally understand. I started talking white. 
No, okay, that's another thing. There's no such thing as, like, I, I'm gonna contradict my own words that I just said by saying there's no, like, white voice or black voice. It literally just depends on where you're raised and who you're surrounded by and how they talk, and you're gonna kind of pick up on the same talking. So, I grew up in a very white place with a lot of white people. That's how I talk. Whatever. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. There's that. So, anyways, on the morning announcements... One of the, like, 10, 11 black kids would would have something to say almost every day. They they would ask you to speak on the morning announcements because you're black. They'd be like, oh, well, it's Black History Month. Do you want to read a Black History Facts on the announcements? So it's like you're giving me this privilege to speak about my heritage because it's a special month. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's, again, it's like bringing attention to the fact. It's like bringing attention to like, oh, well, look it, it's the black kid. And I'm I'm really not into that. Okay. So, oh my god. Sorry, I just saw something stupid. I, I opened my Instagram for a second because I posted something on my story that I thought was funny. Which I... I don't even know why I my go-to when I'm recording is open Instagram. Because I don't open Instagram regularly anymore. So, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's weird. It's like instinctual because I did it in like the first couple that I recorded. But, um, I remember specifically my best, one of my best friends. She's, um, she's black, right? Like, full black. And they, the, like, head of the, I don't know, there was a couple black people, and even, like, administration who would go out of their way to talk to us during February and say, like, hey, do you guys want to talk in the morning announcements? And, like, no! I don't want to talk in the morning announcements! Thanks for recognizing that I'm black and, like, everything, but, like, why don't you just go back to pretending like I'm another snot-nosed kid? I don't want any black privilege right now. Black privilege. No, but, like, seriously, like, why are you talking to me right now? Why are you asking me this dumbass question? I do not, no, I don't. So me and her, we never, ever spoke on the announcements. It was just like, why? Why? Can we not? Thank you. Um, this is how laissez my my high school and my entire hometown was about black people and, and being offensive and not PC. So this was back in 2011, probably the fall of 2011, because it was my senior year of high school. And my high school did this thing called Spirit Week, right? And during Spirit Week, we had a whole bunch of, like, theme days where, like, you could dress up. It was super, super kitschy, like, very high school, like, um... There was Twin Day, and there was, like, Jersey Day, and, you, you know, that kind of thing. And then it all led up to a pep rally where everybody got friggin' hammered the night before and then threw up and at school and shit. So, on this particular Spirit Week, there was a Twin Day. And this is how laid back it was, was that two people did blackface to be twins with black students. Um, I'm gonna tell you about the one that I was involved in, because... One of my best friends, still best friends today, he wore an... Here's the thing. We were being twins, but we were also being ludicrous because we had, like, this weird obsession with ludicrous then. So it was, like, black twins who were ludicrous. So we both bought these, like, giant afros. We wore, like, white t-shirts, so we wrote Act the Fool on, and um, he painted his face black. <laughs> There's pictures on Facebook, I'm sure. But, like, that's what I mean. And, like, the people who are posting the pictures were, like, very white girls who saw nothing wrong with posting it. So, you know, it's just funny to me because if anybody did even just that today, it would be, like, an epidemic of, of national proportions. You know, it would be all over CNN and, st and everything. Um, and when I say to that level... I mean, there was something worse. So, this this girl that I was telling you about earlier, who, my best friend, who, like, we would not speak on the morning announcements, she was best friends with this girl, let's call her, um, Cindy Lou. Cindy Lou thought it would be a good idea to get body paint, brown body paint, right? She painted her arms, she painted her legs, 
She painted her feet. She painted her neck. She painted her face. Wore flip-flops, a white shirt, jeans. For all intents and purposes, this girl completely painted her entire body black. Looked black. The whole nine. But when she smiled, and there's a whole bunch of pictures of her all over the internet smiling, like, very big. She looks like those old, like, blackface cartoons. It's horrifying. And it was fine. Here's the thing. All the teachers in the school, nobody said shit about it. Nobody said anything about about this, these two instances of blackface. Everybody was just cool with it. It was fine. It was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you joking? How is that okay in any way, shape, or form? And this is what I'm saying. When people are like, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. Like, you know, growing up in, like, a very Caucasian place, it couldn't have been that terrible. You're over-exaggerating. Am I? Am I? Because this girl was completely covered black to the point where, like, I was in gym class with her first period. Why Why would anybody have gym class first period anyways? I'm sorry. I go to the gym now as an adult before I go to work, but, like... That was a, my first class of school, of the school day? The shit is that, especially when I'm eight, 17, 18 years old. Yeah, that's how I really want to wake up in the morning. Anyway, I thought she was a new student. I was like, who's that new black girl? And, like, yeah, it was this whole thing. Anyway, let me just say, that girl who painted herself black, she's doing real well for herself now. She ended up moving, this is the same girl I was talking about earlier, her going away party. She did a lot of nose candy that night for lack of a better term and she ended up moving down there she got real messed up all the time um like was physically verbally abusive to the guy that she was living with down there her friends came to visit her she kicked them out of her place and then she moved back to buffalo is weird posts she posts all these weird videos all over the internet all the time, all over her Instagram. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just, I literally follow her because it's hilarious. Most people do. I talk to a lot of people about her videos and it's just really funny. And now she's a stripper. So, you know, she's doing really good things. It's like good for her. She's killing it. You're killing it, baby. So I'm just saying, um, I don't, I don't care for black history month. It is what it is. It's whatever. I'm glad that black people are getting attention and um, not for negative things like you could typically see in the news. And yeah, it's. I don't think that. Here's the thing. I genuinely don't think because they were friends with us, you know. Nobody's racist in this situation. It's not. I don't think it was racist for them to paint themselves or anything like that because it absolutely wasn't. The thing is, is that it just wasn't right. Um, and none of us saw that at the time. None of us thought about that at the time. My, me nor my friend, who we were twinning with, with the white people, like, neither one of us were like, oh, this is a really bad idea. Like, we shouldn't do this. We literally thought, we were like, oh my god, this is so funny. This is hilarious. Like, everybody's going to think it's so funny tomorrow. So, I don't know. It's just It's funny how things change in a very short amount of time. So, thinking about it in perspective, if, if anybody did that today, it literally would go viral and be a very bad thing even two years after that when i was like a freshman or sophomore in college there was a video of the two girls in like the south the south who painted their face black i made a youtube video and that was like that was like i think what really began the catalyst of conversation about those kind of things so it's just funny to me how stuff happens all right and with that i'm going to talk about kingdom hearts for no longer than 10 minutes. I'm giving myself 10 minutes so you can turn this off until you hit like the 25 minute marker. And all right, wait, I'm lying until you hit the 35 minute marker. All right. If you don't want to hear Kingdom Hearts, I'll, I'll hit you back then. And if you do just want to listen to my voice, talk about it, then we're going to dive into it right now. So click if you, if you want to, and uh, don't, if you don't. So let me just preface with saying I was waiting for this game, obviously, for 13 years since I was 12 years old when the, when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. Maybe it was earlier than that, but I've been waiting for a long time for a, a main console game after years and years of side games that you have to play because they're all very important to the plot, including the freaking um, cell phone game. 
anyway, um, it met a lot of my expectations, but overall, I I was disappointed. I really was, and and I'm gonna get into that. So, uh, pros for me, I really, 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 really loved the Disney Worlds. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, obviously. If you don't know, then I'm going to tell you now. Kingdom Hearts is a mix of Final Fantasy and Disney. It's super, super cool. I recommend it to anybody who like likes Disney. You literally go into Disney worlds, and for a lot of the worlds, you play through the movie, or in the case of this game, you played through a lot of like extra things. So um, it was a story. Like Toy Story is one of the worlds in the new one, and you it's a world storyline that takes place in between Toy Story 2 and 3. It's dope. Um, Monsters, Inc. takes place after Monsters, Inc. It's like the sequel that we never got. It's really cool. So anyway, um, the Disney Worlds were my favorite part, I think, of the game. Well, visually my favorite part. Because they, they were just so beautiful, so vibrant and immersive. The music was great. The voice acting was great. For the Frozen World, you had the entire Let It Go sequence. And it was like, Oh, baby, let it go. That's, I mean, that's not what she said, but like, you know, it was great. And um, yeah, no, I just, I really, really liked the Disney Worlds. The problem was the plot for me. Okay, so all the other Kingdom Hearts games, and by that I mean... Actually, I don't mean that because this one very much mirrored Kingdom Hearts 1. In which um, the entire first half of the game is like Disney World with like a little bit of plot sprinkled in. And then the entire second half is just like full throttle plot. But at least with Kingdom Hearts 1, there was a break where like you saved your girlfriend... And then you had a breather before going into the final battle, you know? Kingdom Hearts 2, like, completely improves upon the plot in all ways, shapes, and forms. Like, it got super confusing because that's when they started introducing, like, like side games and, like, a whole bunch of, like, lore that... I don't know if everything was planned from the very beginning, but I'm starting to really think that it was. And so, they just kept adding a bunch of stuff to the games, and it got super confusing at this point, but we still loved it. And the plot was fixed because there was a beginning, there was a middle, there was an end. You know, there was um, a bunch of stuff in between. There was two trips to each of the, the Disney worlds and um, two different opportunities to, like, interact with the villains and really get them fleshed out and everything like that. This game, even though we were using repeat villains for Kingdom Hearts 3, it was like the development was just completely, like, swept under the rug and it was just all about Sora. The main character, which, like, fine, whatever, he is the main character, but I was just, like, I don't know, I was kind of put off by it, but it is what it is. Um, I also feel like all the these other characters that we have come to, to know and love throughout the years, they were just kind of, like, weakened a bit, or, like, thrown to the side in order to make Sora look better, and I didn't like that. So the overarching plot for me... It gave me a lot of those fan moments that I, I had always only, like, dreamt of or, or, or thought of with these different characters meeting, but it almost, like, didn't pay off to anything. Um, the big central romance for, for the franchise is Sora and Kyrie, and I just, I could care less. I had never liked Kyrie from the beginning, and this game made me full-out hater. Like, I cannot stand her, her character. I, I'm very disappointed in what the direction that they went with with her and Sora and Riku has always been my favorite and I feel like he they gave him like the bare minimum as far like he's a secondary protagonist in in the game but like they gave him the bare minimum and they made him weak so that Sora could look better and save the day which has never been the case before Riku has always been presented as like just as strong as Sora Sora's equal and then all of a sudden in this game he's not whereas in the last game he literally became a Keyblade master and Sora's just an idiot who's like, let's go to some Disney worlds. We're gonna have fun, Donald the Goofy. So that all, that all kind of upset me. Um, but it's fine. You know, it is what it is. Again. So I'm gonna get into the ending. I'm not even gonna, like, make references anymore for the people who don't know what I'm assuming. You're just not listening at this point. And this is for people who, who know the series and everything like that. So, like I said, the whole first half of the game, it's Disney Worlds. The whole second half is just, like, literally the ending of the game. So, it's, like, there's no middle. It's it's the beginning and it's end. That's it. I, I don't know. I felt like I was getting hit with a lot of stuff all at once. 
and it was fine because I was stuff that I like again like I'm saying I I only ever dreamed of like like Axel pointing out the Roxas and Ven look alike or Sora and Kairi sharing the Papu fruit even though I hate her or I don't know they threw in like this weird Riku replica pot plot line for Riku and like I didn't like that um or aqua and ven getting saved amazing loved it that's exactly what i I imagined and hoped would happen um and i the i predicted those seven exactly like the guardians of seven i was very happy that the seven that i thought were going to be the guardians were the guardians um everything like that was fine but it was as soon as you got to the keyblade graveyard that it just kind of went downhill so they all get to the Keyblade Graveyard, and you see Terra. Terra's there. Ven's like, Terra! And Aqua's like, oh, Terra. And then um, he, like, turns into Terranor and kills everybody. Like, what? Terranor killed everybody when Aqua beat him single-handedly in Birth by Sleep. Okay, Sure whatever they got caught by surprise i don't know whatever um axel looked weak as fuck he didn't do anything he looked even later in the fight freaking Zemnis broke his keyblade and then he had it later after that i just i don't i didn't understand why they made axel so weak like how are you gonna build him up as like the savior of roxas and shion and then be like oh well he didn't contribute anything in the final battle he just sucked so People love Axel. Why would you do him dirty like that? And then, um, uh, who else? Ven was just so weak and got knocked out on one hit by Terranor and and then Aqua, and, and then they got eat, eaten by darkness, and so they died. Okay, so then we're in the final world, which is beautiful and it, it's great. But there's optional cutscenes in the final world that are extremely important to the overarching story. There's two, there's like stars of like deceased people that you can talk to because this is like purgatory. And one of the stars is Namine, who talks about how she connected with Terra's mind and sifting through his memories, which are attached to his old set of Keyblade armor, which you fight in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, The Lingering Will. Okay, if you don't talk to Namine, like I didn't talk to her, I had no idea. You. what? It's it's like, um, he just shows up, the lingering will, after you, you bring everybody back to life, he just shows up, and it's like, well, why was he there to begin with? And you wouldn't know unless you have the nominate scene. The other thing, too, that I forgot to mention, um, is, no, 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 I'm, I'm thinking right, yeah, no, I'm on the right track. Okay, so, yeah, so then you get your life back, and Kyrie leads you back in the light, and then you go back in time to the moment before you all died. Fine, I guess. I'm, I'm sick of the time travel stuff that they just added in last game. And now it's like the whole thing is like time travel the entire series. I just, I don't like that. It's like when Lost introduced time travel, and it was a, co- a cool notion at the time. But then literally the entire series started revolving around that time travel. And it was just like, dude shut up i don't care that they're going back and forth in time i I just don't care okay so then you get to the the beginning of the end of the boss fights you're fighting about all the organization members at at the same time it's so cool these are some of the best parts of the game i was squealing i was happy each organization member gets their own death scenes these fights are amazing they're so much fun to play through this was the the best part of the keyblade graveyard sequence was fighting the organization members it was, it was a shining spot in, like, all the dark. Um, and then, you know, you're fighting through them. You beat Marluxia, you beat Larxene, you beat Luxord, and you save Mickey. Cool. You fight Riku Replica, you fight Zigbar. Zigbar, like, commits suicide, but he really doesn't because he's Luke Shu and, like, survives all this stuff. And it's really sad. It's like, all these deaths are genuinely sad. Marluxia remembers, and I also don't like the Union Cross, the, the the smartphone game, is the center of everything, too. So, you if you hear something in the background, it's literally my radiator, my heat is, like, turning on. 
So you have Larxene and Marluxia, who are from the time of fairy tales. Same thing with Ven. They're all from this, like, mobile game from years and years and years prior to even the beginning of Birth by Sleep. I don't know how far back in the past it is. I just know that it is. They're from the time of the original Keyblade War. Okay, fine. Um, and apparently Luxor and Demix is, are, are as well. What the hell happened to Demix? Okay, he was brought in as a reserve member of the organization, and then he just disappeared after helping um, Vexen. Vexen we see at the end. He's with Ansem the Wise, and he's working on bringing Namine back to life. That's great. We're all happy Namine is alive. We're happy Vexen is doing something. Where the hell is Demix? Okay, and I have a theory about that, that Demix is Gula. Hey, if you guys are clicking back in here, I'm still talking about Kingdom Hearts, and it looks like I'm going to be doing that for almost the remainder of this. So, um, sorry. I'm heated now. Alright, so... Um, they're all defeated. They get their sad scenes. Marluxia remembers his sister, who's, I think... There's another star that you get a cutscene for in, when you die. And I'm pretty sure it's his sister. And... That's all fine and good. And then, uh, Riku Replica... There's a good version of Riku Replica inside of Riku. I, again, I did not like this plotline. I didn't understand it. Fine. They found him in the dark realm. And he was like, hey. He flies out of Riku and, like, flies into the evil version of himself. And then they die. And then he's like, give that body the Namine. Okay. So Namine gets a body and comes back at the very end in the credits. But we'll get to that. Okay, so then you go to the next sets of fights, which are um, Axel and, and Kyrie, and then you can you can choose to fight with Aqua and Ven. So we're gonna go Aqua and Ven first, because I'm pretty sure this is the order that you're supposed to go in. So Aqua and Ven are fighting Vanitas, and they're fighting Terranort. Okay, that's fine. And um, Terranort is just like kicking ass. And so is Vanitas, and so you take them down. You take down Vanitas, and him and Ven have this moment, and Sora too. And Vanitas is like, "I'm your guys' brother. Like I am darkness." Blah blah blah. And then he smiles and dies. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's gonna come back into play at some point. That he is darkness. <laughs> okay. And then you kill Terra Nor, and Terra somehow is not only the lingering will, but he's also. Terra North's shadow heartless creature that suddenly grows a heart in the middle of the battle where its heart hole is and then Sora and him put his heart back in his body. Alright, sure. Terra's back, him and Aqua and Ven all hug. It's very sad and it's happy because those three have been all over the place on the timeline and they just... Went through a lot of shit and birth by sleep to see each other. I was very happy to see them reunite. I didn't like how Terra reunited, like how he got to that point, but I'm glad he did. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I mean, I got it. I just didn't understand why that's the route that they, that Nomura went, that he was the, the heartless. Because if he was a heartless, then how did he have a heart? You know what I mean? I didn't like that. Um... So then, this is this is where stuff gets, like, really messed up for me, and I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, this is this is great, this is amazing, but I'm pissed off right now. So then you get to the fight with Kyrie and Axel, the two who literally got shit on the most by this game. They were training the entire game, and then they you get to this final fight, and they don't do shit. Like, Axel gets his ass beat, and Kyrie, Fuck Kyrie. She doesn't do anything, like does nothing, and she's just weak. I don't, I don't get it. Like, why you have this opportunity in the entire game? She's like, I'm gonna protect Sora. Ah, oh, Sora, I'm gonna protect you. Look, you're safe with me. And then I'll get there. So then, um, you go and you fight with Saix and Zemnis and Shion. And you slowly realize that it is Shion. You're like, who is this person with the Keyblade? And then you're like, oh, no, oh my god, it's Shion. Why the hell was Shion with the organization? Like, I understand that they brought her back or whatever, but why would she even fight with them to begin with? Like, she literally stopped Zemnis from killing Axel after Zemnis breaks his Keyblade. What? And she's like, you know we need him alive. What? Why? What? 
why are you even if you're fully conscious and you wanted to save Axel, why are you on the other side? Like, did they do something with her memory? I don't know. They never explain it. Like, literally never explain it. And then this is like, oh my god, uh, go ahead, kill him. And then Sora's like, Shion, you don't have to do this. And it's like Roxas inside of him talking to her, and then she like realizes who she is, I guess, and she starts holding her head, and she's like, ah! And it was like screaming. And then Xemnas kicks her and her hood falls off. And then Axel remembers her. And then all of a sudden Roxas's heart flies out of Sora. And literally, I kid you not, in the next breath, he's flying into out of the sky with a replica. How the frick did his heart get out of Sora into this replica that quickly and for him to get there that fast? Was it the replica that was already there? Because that's what I'm assuming. Is that That's how he got there so fast. It's the one that you just beat with Riku. Otherwise, what? So then, the you know, Roxas is like, oh my god, I'm alive. Like, screw you guys, I hate you. And Shion's like, oh my god, my boys. And then you fight with Shion and Rock- Roxas against Saix. You kill Saix. Saix is like, oh, Axel, we had to find the girl that was never mentioned until this game ever. And you got other friends and I got jealous. And so... I'm sorry, this entire time you were literally almost Xemnas' right-hand man because you were jealous of Roxas? Okay. So then he dies, and Axel and Roxas and Shion had this reunion moment, and it's beautiful, and I love it, but I just don't understand how the fuck Roxas and Shion are even there. And, like, why? And, like, the whole circumstances around it. I just don't get it. I don't... I That was when I was, like... I'm crying, I'm, I'm happy, but I don't understand why. And that's taking away from the experience. Oh, oh, and before they even beat Saix, Xemnas is like, oh, I'm gonna take Kyrie," And literally fucking kidnaps Kyrie. This worthless trash bag whore. Kidnaps her. What do you mean? And takes her, okay? So then Sora runs to the final fight with the rest of the Darknesses, and it's him and Riku and Mickey versus young Xehanort, which I, I still don't like the whole time travel aspect, Ansem and Xemnas. Like, this is the best fight in the entire game, I kid you not. The three, the two villains from the original game, the villain from Dream Drop Distance, it's just, it's an amazing fight. It's, it's my favorite. There's so much going on at once, and Riku and Mickey are, like, great here. So then you beat those three, right? Cool. And the next thing, the very next thing that happens is Kyrie shows up next to Master Xehanort and she dies. He fucking kills her. He kills her. So Kyrie's talking all this game saying that she's going to do all this shit and she dies. In front of Sora, like all she all she did was kill a couple heartless, get kidnapped, and get killed. And also, at this point, Master Xehanort has 12 keys, but, like, I don't understand how he got nine keys, to the, like, the nine keys before the, the last three fight, because um, one of his, like, darknesses that he's counting is Shion, and Shion didn't get beaten. She switched sides. So, how did he get her key? It just doesn't make sense. Because she's there. Like, I just, I don't understand. Is it because she became a light? They don't explain it. And then Kyrie's dead. Sora's crying. He's like, why her? And I'm thinking, finally, somebody killed that bitch. But, like, also, why was she even there? What was the point of her? And then everybody's like, oh my god, Sora. And then you go, and you have your final fight with Xehanort, and it's this whole thing, and um, Xehanort's friend Ericus comes back, also the BBS trio's master, and it's, like, cute, I guess, and then they die. And then um, they're all happy, it's a happy ending, and Sora's like, I gotta go find Kyrie. And they're like, no, let's just, like, regroup and, like, think about it, and we'll, like, find her. You shouldn't be abusing that power that you got, because, like, literally everybody keeps telling you not to abuse that power that you just got. The power of waking. And he's like, no, I gotta find her. This whole journey started when I lost her, and now I have to find her again, because I lost her again, because I keep losing her again, and I'm losing... So then he goes after Kyrie and... 
like just disappears. So then we cut to like an orchestral piece over like an epilogue kind of thing where they're showing all the characters having their happy endings. Ven gets his charity back, so he clearly remembers everything from Union Cross, but they just leave that thread open. Um, Syx is like friends with Roxas, Roxas and Shion and Axel and, and Hainer Pencil Let. They're all friends in Twilight Time. And there's some shadow that goes over their face that they don't explain. Uh, Namine comes back to life and Riku is like, hey bitch, let's go to the beach. And she's like, okay bitch. And then they go to the beach and everybody's at the beach. They're all having fun. And then they look up and they see Sora and Kyrie sitting on the Papu tree. And Kyrie is like crying. They're holding hands. And then Sora gets Thanosed. He just disappears. What? <laughs> like, like <laughs> I can't help but laugh because we get to this point in the game, right? Where we've we've been playing this entire game, only for like to get rushed into the ending. So so we're we're playing like the last ten hours of the game. It's all just end game plot lines. It's fine. I, I don't like the pacing of the game, but it is what it is. And then we get to that part where he finally gets the girl. He finally saves her. He did what he wanted. He went and got her. And then he disappears. No explanation. Not like not anything like, oh, he had this coming or like this was on its way. Not any explanation of what happened to him. Not an explanation of like what abusing the power of waking is. He just disappears. Like, that's it. Okay. What? Like, like, I can't help but laugh because I feel so cheated by that ending. So then, you know, the Kingdom Hearts games always have epilogues. They always have secret endings that, like, give you insight into future games. The epilogue is usually something, like, ambiguous, and you're like, oh, cool. Like, I think in Kingdom Hearts 1, it was him finding um, the road to Castle Oblivion that led into Chain of Memories. And then the secret ending was Roxas versus Riku. Very cool, very routine. Um, for Kingdom Hearts 2, I've... Oh, the epilogue was um, Sora, Kairi, Riku. They were on the island, and they got a letter from King Mickey telling them to, like, come back, which, like, kicked into Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, and then the secret ending was Birth by Sleep, which, like, introduced the prequel games. Fine, that's cool. Introduced Master Xehanort. It was great. We didn't know what it was at the time. We were very confused by, by both of them, really. I remember the internet buzz around the two of them. This time, our epilogue is... It's a taste of the future, I think. Who knows at this point. And they reveal that Zigbar is still alive, and he's Luke Shu. Luke Shu is one of the foretellers that is from the mobile game. The foretellers are apparently going to be the next saga, so I hope that we get an actual like side game that has to do with them, and not instead of just this mobile game. Because, um, literally, if people don't play the mobile game, I feel very bad for them. They're probably very confused. I started playing it literally because um, the game was coming out, and I just had a feeling that I would have to. So the secret ending is revealing that Zigbar is Lushu. It made me very happy because I have had this theory that the Master of Masters, who is the Master of the Foretellers, including Lushu, is Sora. And I didn't know how that was possible, but I just had a feeling where it was like Sora's dad or something because he's like very similar to Sora. But now I have my answer is that it, Sora probably got lost in time, and that's what that disappearing thing was. And then he became the master of masters. So that's my theory. But um, yeah, it's just this ending. And then they show Maleficent and Pete who did jack shit the entire game. They were just like walking around like, oh, let's find the box. Let's find the box. And uh, the black box is something that Lushu's been protecting, apparently, all these years. So they find it at the end in this epilogue, and then they just friggin' walk away. What? <laughs> so <laughs> so then the foretellers are there. The only one who's not there is Ava. I don't know where she is. Who knows? She'll show herself. And then um, we get our, our secret ending. And the secret ending is based off of this video game that was inside of the Toy Story world, which is very clearly a jab at Square Enix by the director of the game, Tetsuo Nomura. Because he there's this whole game called Versus 13 that he was part of, and he got kicked off, and then he had this whole vision for it, and it just didn't happen. And so now he's I think he's doing it with Kingdom Hearts 4. But um, basically, the secret ending is... Sora waking up, so I guess he's not dead or disappeared or whatever. He, like, reappears in Shibuya, Tokyo. Um, but it's not the Shibuya that we know. It's Shibuya from the World That Ends With You game, which is also by Square Enix and Tetsu Nomura. And 
yeah, he just wakes up in Shibuya. And then Sora and Riku also wakes up in a realistic part of Japan. I don't know. I, I don't... I think it's, a, like, um... I think it's like a city in, in Verum Rex because that guy from Verum Rex, the game, is there. And Master Master shows up there as well. And then it cuts. And that's it. So what are we left with, okay? At the end of Kingdom Hearts 3, we're left with um, a very bottom-heavy plot. <clears throat> a dead Kyrie who came back to life to only have a dead, pos- a possibly dead Sora or Time Displace, or Lost Sora, whatever, a disappeared Sora. We have Riku, who obviously now has to endanger himself again to go find Sora, which I'm sure he'll be pers- he'll be presented as a, as a as a, um, an equal to Sora again, only to be second fiddle when the next main game comes out. And we have um, everybody in Destiny Islands just having fun. So, like, all the characters are there hanging out. And we have... It just, I don't know. Luxor ended up giving a card to Sora that never got explained. I don't know what that is. I don't know if maybe that saved him and sent him to the world ends with you. I don't know. But uh, it was just a very lackluster, very disappointing ending for me. And that's my thoughts on that in a nutshell. If you want to hear more from me, just, you know, DM me, hit me up, text me, call me. I would love to talk Kingdom Hearts. But uh, yeah, I'm pissed. I'm not pissed. I'm not. I'm, I'm disappointed I, and confused. And I was hoping to have more answers than just like stupid ass questions at the end of this. And I, I didn't get that. So it is what it is. <sighs> All right. So it's like 945 my time. I'm going to wrap this up, I think. Um, so I got to wake up early, hit the gym. And then I want to hopefully get into the office a little bit early and get some more work done. I think I'm going to do a little bit more work tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to get updates on when I post shit, I'll probably put it on my Instagram story. So follow me on Instagram at ZacharySwan. Um, check out my blog if you want. I'm going to be posting there again. And I just posted up a new post talking about like my retrospective thoughts and moving to Chicago. Uh, you can find that at zacktreese.wordpress.com. And of course, thank you as always for listening to Two Dudes and a Guy of the Revival. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. So see you then.